Hello. Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. entire section 17 to 31 and in verse 27 as Jesus well I'll read it from verse 23 then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God and the disciples were astonished at his words but Jesus again answered again and said to them children how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, this is in response to this young man's question to Jesus. Um, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. So, so this morning, I want to talk about the radical challenge of following Jesus. The radical challenge of following Jesus. And you got to go back to that earlier part of the scripture where Jesus uh, says to that young man sell all that you have go your way and sell all that you have then come and follow me and you have treasures in heaven the radical challenge of following Jesus Father thank you for this opportunity this morning uh, to share your word thank you for your word thank you for the power of your word I pray that, God, that your word will go forth this morning under the anointing of your spirit. Use me to speak what you've given to me, nothing more, nothing less, that your name might be glorified, that your word will accomplish all that you desire, and that you will prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, the radical challenge of following Jesus. One, one of the things that the Lord has been impressing upon me over the past few months is that those of us who claim to be Christians must go back to Christ and study him very carefully so that we'll know what it really is to be a Christ follower. Yeah, actually, if you here at TOP, uh, we started this journey over a year and a half ago as we began talking about and teaching on discipleship. Because the Lord had also impressed upon me that there are a lot of people who are on our church roles who are not disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, they're, they're on the membership roles, but they're not disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
is it's virtually impossible to be a disciple of someone that you do not study, that you do not learn about, that you do not know and consistently follow. It's virtually impossible to be that person's disciple. So you can't be a disciple of Christ simply by coming to church and being on the church roll. Amen. We, we claim the title Christian because we connect with a church, a Christian church. But it's important to note that neither family membership nor church membership makes a person a Christian. Okay? This understanding has led to the conclusion that the church has missed uh, the mark in crucial heart issues when it comes to issues that face us, and in particular today, and it goes deeper than this, but in particular racism and oppression and injustice and marginalizing people who, have not, who do not fit into the larger, uh, more accepted society per se. Okay? It goes deeper than that. It, it, it deals with hatred of all people. You know, it deals with prejudice that all of us have in our hearts, you know. It deals with all of our biases and all of our sins, okay. Um, and we have to see that, amen. But the church, as we've said before, and I'll, I'll continue to press this issue as the Lord uh, presses, presses it upon my heart because it's important that, that we really see this uh, and that we really embrace this, you know, uh, that the church has been complicit in the racism, in the, in the oppression, and in the injustices that have been leveled against uh, people of color, complicit in the marginalization of the poor and the oppressed people of this world, not just the United States of America, but you look at the world. You look at the world. You can look at different societies, and you can see people who are in the church who are well-to-do, who are wealthy, who are accepted, but they have oppressed other people. You can see classism in societies. You know, you can see people who, have, who are on the roles of church membership, and because of their finances, because of their economic positions, they look down on the poor. I, I, I'll never forget uh, being in Liberia one time and, and going to visit uh, a school. Uh, a friend of mine had taken me to visit a school that his grandfather had started. And of course, they were American Liberians. They, 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 they were part of that group of people, those families that had left the United States, gone back to Liberia and helped establish the nation of Liberia, I guess, if you want to call it that. And, and, and of course, they were a part of the upper crust of society. If you just to make it simple. And someone came into the office while we were there and failed to, I guess, follow the proper protocols of respect and what have you. And I remember this lady saying as she kind of frowned up her face and said, it didn't used to be this way. It didn't used to be this But the war had put them all on the same level. <laughs> the war had put everybody on the same level. And I, that, that stuck in my mind as I saw this lady, you know, and, I, and, and heard her response and, and the way she responded to that ordinary person who had just come into office to deliver something that day. Didn't do anything wrong except maybe not speak to her in the way that she thought she should have been spoken to. So this is a part of every society. It's a part of what goes on in the world. But... People say that they are Christian because their names are on the church roll. But your name being on the church roll does not mean that you are a Christ follower. Yeah. 
We have developed a pseudo-Christianity that satisfies our sense of duty and makes us feel good when we do certain things. But we fall short of how Christ lived, how Christ loved, and how Christ taught us to follow him. Because we fail to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, we are in the situation that we're in today in this world. Rather than resisting the devil and his advances in the earth realm, think about how long it's been since Christ was, Christ was crucified and raised from the dead. Think about how the early church, it was said of them that they turned the world upside down. Now look at where we are today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, rather than resisting the devil and his advances in the earth realm, pseudo-Christianity and its proselytes. If you don't know what a proselyte means, it means it's followers. Okay, those that have been won over by pseudo-Christianity. Uh, we, we, we are guilty we are guilty of having helped advance kingdom Satan, um, Satan's kingdom, excuse me, Satan's kingdom on the earth. And today we're paying the price for it all over the world. Yeah, we're paying the price for it. You can't discriminate against people. You can't mistreat. You can't marginalize. You can't disenfranchise a significant portion of the Lord's people or support a system that does, and expect to be the powerful force in the world that God intends for the church to be. Amen. Read the history of Christian missions in the world. One of the comments, and I'll never forget this, in my reading, in my study on the history of Christian missions, well, I read it, so <laughs> I'm not trying to be divisive or, 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 or racist in my comments, but one of the comments about early Christian missionaries that went into the country of, into the continent of Africa was they were called white devils. And you have to ask yourself why. You have to look at the history of Christianity and the history of Christian, Christian missions in the world. We've done a lot of good things. But Christianity has done a lot of evil things in the name of advancing the kingdom of Christ. But yet there is hope for the body of Christ. There is hope. In spite of all that's happened, the Lord is still, the Lord still loves his church. Amen? Amen. The Lord is, he still loves his church that he gave his life for, and he continually sends his word to help us get on track. If we will hear, if we will surrender, and if we will ob obey what he's taught us in his word. The help comes in our going back to the scriptures, seeking, learning, hearing, and obeying the Lord Jesus Christ and his teaching. There's a book on my, on my bookshelf that I started reading a long time ago. I hope I, hopefully I finished it, but it, it's called Rehearing the Gospel. Rehearing the Gospel. The gospel. And that's all we're talking about today. You see, when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus taught and called people to be disciples. 
He did not call us to church membership. Human beings cannot change what Jesus taught nor what Jesus required. We don't have the power, we don't have the right to do so. We can't change what Christ has established and still be Jesus' followers. The only thing we can do is we can accept and embrace or we can deny and reject. These are the only two options that human beings have. There is no other. There is no in-between ground, and yet we remain Christians. It's called radical discipleship, or the radical challenge of discipleship. There is no bargaining. There is no compromise. There is no discussion. It's spelled out in Scripture and left for us to decide what we want to do because God does not force us. He does not force us. We are created in his image and his likeness, which means we are free moral agents, and we can make the choice of what we want to do. Amen. The scripture for today speaks to this and shows us this radical challenge of following Jesus, the one whom God has made both Lord and Christ, according to Acts 2 and 36. So what do we see in this text? It speaks to us of the radical challenge of following Jesus. Okay? So, note. Right, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. All right, he's on his way to Jerusalem. Which those of us who study the scriptures understand that in this process, heading to Jerusalem, he's on his way to the cross to die. He's on his way to the cross, on his way to suffering, on his way to death. Get a picture of this, okay? On his way to do the will of God by giving his life in death on the cross to satisfy divine justice and making it possible for human beings to be saved and reconciled to God, okay? Jesus' life, when you think about this then, you see that Jesus' life was never about himself, all right? He came to do the will of his Father. He died on the cross to fulfill the will of his father and thereby to save lost humanity from our sins. He was raised from the dead so that we could have eternal life. Jesus' life was always about someone else, not himself. That is the great lesson for us to learn and embrace, especially for those of us who call ourselves Christians today. Your life should never be about yourself. Now, that's a big pill to swallow because we are not raised to think about anyone else but ourselves. Mm. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are called to follow Jesus' example, which is to give your life for others not yourself. So we see this rich young man. Uh, some texts label him a rich young ruler. This rich young man comes to Jesus, all right? Comes to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so let's follow this interaction in the text. Are you with me? All right. He comes to Jesus. And he, the Bible says, one came running, knelt before him, 
and asked him, good master, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Seems like a sincere question, right? Seems like an honest question. But remember, he's coming to Jesus. All right. He's coming to Jesus. And Jesus sees more than human eyes see. Jesus knows more than the human mind knows. So the word good there, good master, the word good there in the Greek is agathos, which means intrinsically good. A word that was not lightly used in Judaism. That's important. No Jewish person would just use that word agathos. Good master. They would only ascribe that to God. All right. Rabbis welcomed a whole lot of titles, but they shunned away from being addressed as good teacher because they feared that they would blaspheme God who alone is intrinsically good. So if this man is calling Jesus good, is he equating him with God? Does he have this revelation that, that Jesus is God? Whatever the answer is, the point is made clear by Jesus' answer. Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God alone. God alone is is good. Now Jesus isn't denying that he's good, but he's remember Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is the one that God has sent into the world to be, be the Messiah, to be the Savior. So he's pressing the man to see the logical implication of addressing him as good. Namely that Jesus is God. And since he is God, he should be obeyed and he should be followed. I hope you got that connection. Good master. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, when you notice this, Jesus does not deal with eternal life. Let me go a little bit further. Look at Jesus' answer. Look at his words. Look a little bit closer. He's telling this self-centered, self-righteous man. How do you know he's self-centered and self-righteous? Well, look at verses 19 and 20. When Jesus tells him what he should do. He said, oh, I've kept all of this from my youth up since I was a boy. I've kept the commandments. I've done this. I am good. <laughs> yeah. Jesus is telling this self-centered, self-righteous man, you're not good. Only God is good. Now, now, this is an issue that people in every generation needs to grasp. Are y'all listening today? Because we tend to think of ourselves as good. And we tend to label other people who possess certain qualities and do certain things as good. Good. But Jesus makes it clear that there is no one good 
but God alone. There is no one good but God alone. Can you say that? There is no one good but God alone. I am not good. In and of myself, I am not good. Now, now I understand social implications, and sometimes when we've, when people have been, have been uh, abused and neglected and told that they are nothing, you're trying to build up their self esteem, and and you don't want to, you don't want to label your children as bad. You want them to know that they have good qualities. You want to know that that they are decent people. But you got to see the context in which Jesus is teaching. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's glory. Our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. We are not intrinsically good like God. We are intrinsically evil. We have a sin nature that is opposed to God. Am I right? People of all shades, people of all skin tones or colors, people of all ethnicities, all of us are bad or evil or terrible and in need of a savior, all of us. If people say they're good, they tend to develop the wrong impression and estimation of themselves that leans toward pride and self-righteousness. Consequently, if they should happen to hear a half-baked gospel, y'all got that? Or y'all need to hear, y'all need to say something. If people hear a half-baked gospel, all right, or, or if they're challenged by the gospel, by the gospel, they will they, they they will not see the need to change because they think that they are good. I'm okay. Just like I am. Many people have been baptized, who've been confirmed, uh, and so forth by the church, see themselves as good. They don't need to change. Oh, I may have this little problem, but, but ultimately I'm good. There, there's a preacher that says, 90% of the people in here are good people. Oop. But that's not what the Bible says. Jesus says there is no one good but God alone. How do you, how do you switch from Jesus saying there's, there's no one good but God alone to saying that 90% of the people in here are good? There's no one good but God alone. This is so important for us to, 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 to understand because I am not good and of myself. I need to allow the Lord to redeem my fallen, sinful, evil nature and make me like him. I need the life-changing, heart-changing power of God to enter into my life and change me so that I can be like him. I'm only as good as he makes me. Even after I'm born again, I've got to yield to him on a daily, consistent basis. Are you understanding? 
This is, just, this is the issue of sin. And sometimes we don't want to call sin, sin. Amen. But, but for, there's more sin than fornicating. There's more sin than committing adultery. Amen. There's more sin than lying. Racism is sin. Partiality is sin. Oppression is sin. Disenfranchisement is sin. And it comes out of an evil heart. We need God constantly, daily, working on us, making us more like him. Good people are hurting the testimony of the church. We don't need good people. We need saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, Holy Ghost led people. That's what God needs in this world today. Holy Spirit is going to deal with you on a constant daily basis. He's going to expose your sin. He's going to expose your evil heart. He's going to expose your evil thoughts. He's going to expose your evil dispositions. Think about it. Think about when you get mad at someone unjustly, get angry with someone because of something that they did, and Holy Spirit begin to convict you. That's his job. Think about it. Think about it when you just dislike a person just because. And you call yourself a Christian. Holy Ghost says, that person is created in my image and my likeness. You got to love him just like you love that person who's just like you. Constantly, every day. Exposing it. Next point of the passage. Jesus further directs his man's thoughts to God. By calling his attention to the second table or the second group of the Ten Commandments. Since the man said that he's kept uh, that, that he wants to know what to do to inherit eternal life. So, so Jesus says, um, he said, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud or do not covet. That's equated to covetous. And in the commentary it says that it uses covetousness because that's what rich people tend to do. And I'm not being biased. I'm just, you know, the love of money is what? Mm. Honor your father and your mother. The second table, a second table of the Ten Commandments. You can read this in Exodus chapter 20, verses 12 through 16, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 16 through 20. Okay? Commandments 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. But he starts with 6, 7, 8, 9, and he put 5 on the other end. For whatever reason that Jesus does that, he does it. Okay? These commandments deals with relationships with people. Jesus says, okay, so you want to, you know the commandments. He doesn't focus on loving God and having no other God before you. He focuses on relationships with people. Because when you are obedient in your relationship with people, you'll be obedient to God. You can't say that you love God, 1 John chapter number 4, verse 20. You can't say that you love God, and I'm not quoting it like it's written. I'm just quoting it. You can't say that you love God that you, whom you've never seen, and you hate a brother or sister that you see every day or you dislike. Let's, 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 let's just bring this thing down a little bit because people will say, well, I don't hate you. I just don't want to have anything to do with you. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Well, if I'm broken down beside the road, if something happened to me, if I fall among thieves, if I'm beaten up and I'm laying that bloody and, 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 and bruised and, 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 and beaten up, and you look at me and because of the color of my skin, you walk by on the other side of the road and you don't deal with me. There's something intrinsically wrong with that picture. I've got to go to the well at a different time of the day because I have a bad reputation because you've deemed me unfit and unholy to, to even come to the well with me. Something is wrong with that picture. Whew. Yep. You can't follow Jesus faithfully, be his disciple, while at the same time fell into love, fell in, and, and mistreat or hate or do evil to what fellow human beings. Because God only created one man and one woman. And we are all descendants of that one man and that one woman. We're of the same blood. That one man and that one woman. Now notice Jesus says all of this to this man who asked the question, what must I do? Everyone say, Do. Do to inherit eternal life. Well, the issue is not inheriting eternal life like it's something you deserve. This, this, is, a, this, is, a, this is a rich young man. So apparently he's not old enough to have worked and developed wealth. He apparently has inherited wealth. Okay? Uh, and and uh, so he came into his riches most likely by inheritance from his family. He felt a sense of entitlement, and he knew what entitlement was like. Therefore, being a Jew, he felt entitled to eternal life, like it was a birthright, simply because of who he was and because of his nationality. Eternal life is only a birthright after you've been born again by the power of God. Please recall Jesus' words to Nicodemus. A Pharisee, a Jew, a faithful Jewish man, a teacher of the law. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Hmm. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. You have no perception of the kingdom of heaven. Maybe that's the reason that we've developed this, this whole pseudo-Christianity around people joining the church and being good. And we're not teaching what Jesus taught. You must be born again. Hmm. This brings us to the acid test uh, of this issue. Mind you, the issue from Jesus' perspective was not eternal life but it was on following him, on following him. Jesus says to this young man, he says, one thing you lack, go your way, sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Follow me. Yo, man, since you've done all these other things from your youth up, you lack this one thing. Sell everything you have. Everything. Think about this 
Those of us who are here, sell everything you have. Sell everything you have. Think about everything you worked for. Now, most of us didn't inherit anything. Not physical. Right? Anybody here got land and houses because your family gave it to you? Most of us didn't. Sell everything that you've worked so hard for. Every house or a house, every car you have parked in your yard, you can move over a little bit. <laughs> you could. Amen. Sell everything. Okay? Follow me now. I'm going to wrap this up in five, five, four minutes. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Sell everything. Take up your cross and follow me. You see, eternal salvation, eternal life is not something you can earn by doing good. So it's not by doing all these things. Okay. Receiving eternal life has nothing to do with your skill, has nothing to do with your ability, your ability has nothing to do with your knowledge, has nothing to do with your wealth. So you have money, you can give alms, you can bless people, you're doing good. And you feel good about it. But eternal life cannot be earned. Only God can give salvation. Only God can give. Isn't that what Paul said? About grace you'll say through faith and not of yourself. It is a gift of God. It can never be earned. So when you come and ask me the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Your question is off base. You're missing the point. It's not about what you can do to inherit eternal life. It is a gift of God that only comes through exercising faith in and accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, even with this question, was this young man prepared to part with all of his earthly possessions and follow Jesus? Nope. Nope, nope. Did he love material possessions more than he loved Jesus? Apparently, yes, because the Bible says he walked away sorrowing or sorrowful. He didn't follow Jesus. He could not trust God enough to sell everything he had. Now, 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 don't, don't, don't stop feeling good because you say, well, you know, the Lord's not really telling me to sell everything I have. It's not... You know, and don't stop feeling good because you say, well, I'm just written. I don't own anything, so I ain't got much to sell. <laughs> it is not simply about earthly material possessions. Sell out everything. Everything to follow Jesus. Some people have to give up a vocation. Other people have to give up a lifestyle. A sinful passion. Sinful relationships, evil thoughts, implicit prejudices. Sell out everything you have. Get rid of all of that. And yet people are not willing to do that. People want to hold on to those things that are dear to them. We want to come to Christ and we want to hold on to most things that we had before coming to Christ. 
So we, we kind of like in our minds say Christ must conform to us rather than us conforming to him. That's not the Lord's way. That's not, that's not the Lord's way. Remember what Jesus taught concerning discipleship? If anyone wishes to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And so, listen, the call is not to poverty. It's to discipleship. It's to discipleship. Follow me. Follow Jesus. Follow Christ. Discipleship is very costly. It involves sacrifice. It involves giving up those things that are dear to you. Those things that you held on to, accepted norms and practices that you may have learned from your family, that you may have learned from your culture. Okay? Just because we're black people doesn't mean that we've done everything right. Just because we're black people doesn't mean that some of us don't hate white people. Hatred is wrong. I don't care who it comes from. I don't care what color of the skin you have. Hatred is wrong. It is not Christ's way. It is not his way. So we have to give up. We have to sacrifice. We have to obey Christ. It, being a disciple, being a follower, because this is what Jesus said. He said, come and follow me. If you want eternal life, come and follow me. Follow Jesus' examples. And, and that's why we, as a church, have to go back and study the life of Christ. Get rid of this pseudo-Christianity and really understand and know Jesus, the Christ of God, as revealed in the Scripture. Jesus said, discipleship is costly. It may involve leaving your mother, leaving your father, leaving your home, leaving your sister, leaving your brother. So if your mother and your father and your sister and your brother want to hold on to their old ways, you may have to leave them because now there's something different about you. You've come to the newtons of life in Jesus Christ. Sometimes family doesn't understand even if we're not dealing with racism, think about your own family when you really gave your life to Jesus. Think about the old friends you had who didn't understand, who said to you, oh, you think you're better than me now. And it had nothing about you being better than them. But it had everything to do with you wanting to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So being a Christ follower means that it will cost you something. It'll cost you. You'll give up. You give up things. You may have to separate from family, friends, loved ones, and other possessions for the sake of the kingdom. It may mean, and it will mean, taking a stand against racism and racist attitudes. Wherever you find it, giving up. But it also involves a reward. There is no one, and I'm going to end on this note. There is no one who has left father, house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels 
who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, he didn't leave that out, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. It's a radical challenge of discipleship. Amen. And it comes to us in whatever place we find ourselves in when we come to Jesus. It may not be racism. It may be hatred of other, by other people. And it may, but it may not be hatred of people of a different skin color. Maybe hatred of your brother, your sister. It may be a lack of forgiveness that you have for something that happened to you in your life. It got, this thing goes deep. But Jesus is saying, if you can just trust me, if you give up those things, you'll gain so much more. It's radical. Sell everything. It's radical. Give it to the poor. It's radical. Come. Don't think of yourself as good. Know that your heart is evil. Deal with your relationships. Deal with your relationships. With human beings. Not just your mom and your daddy. Not just your cousin, your uncle and your aunt. And not just your buddies. Your relationship, relationships with human beings whom God created in his image and his likeness. And some of us can be really nasty. Some of us can be really mean. But we have to deal with what's in our hearts toward them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you for, for what your word will accomplish in our lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, 
and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.